0: Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church of Savannah, Georgia. You're listening to the series, Bless the Lord, a study on the book of Psalms. For more information about CBC, please visit www.cbcofsavannah.org. We hope you'll enjoy this sermon from God's Word. Father in heaven, um, we live in a fallen world and and you have redeemed it through your son, but yet there is still sin until you return. And and as your church, Peter commands us to look for and hasten the coming of the day of Christ. And we, when we see the the chaos, whether it's Ebola, whether it's terrorism, whether it's just murdering and starvation of of people, it just reminds us of our great need for you, our great God and Savior. Um, And Lord, we have no concept of what it's like to have to flee most of us for our lives because of our faith. Yet many of our brothers and sisters right now are experiencing that. They are starving, they are hungry. Um, but you know it, you are very aware of everything and you are sovereign. And so I just pray for their protection. Um, I pray for their, just for their, the enemies, the, the ones who are chasing them. Lord, it's like, just like the Apostle Paul, that they would see you for who you are and that they, they would have a change of heart and that they would become followers of Christ instead of persecutors of Christ. Father, we just, we just pray that your will be done. But we just, as one member of the body suffers, you say we all suffer. As one rejoices, we rejoice. And so there's those who are suffering, and so we pray for them now. We pray for uh, this outbreak in Africa that the doctors would get a handle on it and people would, would have opportunities to get serum if it helps or, or just to be healed. We know you are the great physician um, But Lord, let us put our hope not in those things, but ultimately in you, our great God, our King, Um, because we know we have hope because of what you have done, Lord Jesus. As as we close this this last psalm, Lord, I ask that your spirit would fill me. Um, And many times I I am not one as a worshiper. I don't praise. I'm a complainer. I'm grumpy. I am anything but. But I just pray that this psalm would encourage your people, Lord, that we are to be worshipers wherever we go. That doesn't mean just with our mouths, but just in our hearts and the way we love people, the way we treat people. That your church, that CBC and beyond would be a worshiping, joyful people. And that people would see that. That our light would so shine and give you glory. But Lord, that people would want the peace that surpasses all comprehension because they see us. That's something that you have to do. I can't do it with any words, Lord. You have to do it. So may your spirit fall fresh on us. May we be encouraged. May we worship with our singing and our listening and our loving each other, and even as we go home in our cars, Lord, make us love you with our whole heart, soul, mind and strength, and then' the love of our neighbor as ourselves. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, well, I am back. Many of you thought I went into retirement, and I didn't, I promise. But I'll be honest, I'm excited to be back, I feel refreshed. I'm uh, glad for the fact that I don't have to be here, and the church still runs, Isn't that great? that Jesus is the king of the church and not me. And so it's been awesome. Uh, actually had the privilege the last couple weeks, two weeks ago, me and my oldest son had just great opportunity to go out to this ranch out in California called the JH Ranch. Never been to California, um, but had the opportunity to spend with him. He's 14. Had an awesome time um, climbing rope courses and towers and swinging on these crazy swings and going uh, whitewater rafting and hearing the word of God and just talking about it with him. Just to just a great opportunity for a week. And, and Saturday morning before we left, the, this camp allows you to have just kind of four straight hours with your child. It's father, son, father, daughter. So I get to hang out with my boy, my oldest, for about four hours. And we get to look back on the week and talk about the week and all the challenges that he was able to overcome. And, and just all the spiritual lessons that we learn and just really reflect. And at this camp, they have, this kind of in a little bit of a valley. And overlooking the valley is a mountain, and on top of this mountain is a cross, about 2.2 miles up. And so after we kind of hung out for a while, we said, you know, let's go hike up to the cross. A lot of people do that, and we'll eat our lunch up there and just kind of uh, hang out for our last time before then. the week culminates. And so we did. We started hiking up this thing, and there was places on this hike, absolutely gorgeous. You just look out over the valley, and it's beautiful, and you, get, you a know, really easy walk at places, real flat, sometimes even going downhill, and sort of just enjoying our walk. And then there was places on this hike that was like, man, I mean, I'm used to 15 feet above sea level. It was like 3,500, 4,000, so my lungs, we were burning, and we had to stop a couple times. And it's, it's 101 degrees. And they always say, oh, it's a dry heat. Yeah, it's a dry 101 degrees. You're right. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And there was fires about five miles away, and there was literally ash just coming on us. I'd never seen it, like snow. Just, it was And so the air was thick and hot and you're breathing it. And so there was times where we're beautiful valley, nice. And then there's times it's, man, this is hard. And finally we get to the top and we kind of sit down and sit by the cross and we get to eat our lunch and, again, keep talking. And really it was a celebration. We can see kind of the path that we came up and you could see the camp down below. I actually have a picture of us here up at the cross. You could see the camp down below and we're just standing up there and and just reflecting on the week. and as I thought about that time and this psalm we're going to look at today, it really, this psalm that we're going to look at is just like that time I had with him. The way the Psalter is put together, whether you know this or not, there's five books in the Psalter. And at the end of every book, there's a little doxology where the writer just says, praise the Lord, amen, right? But then at the very end of the Psalter, there's just one psalm that kind of looks back on the entirety of the Psalms. And it just kind of summarizes it. It looks back at 149 Psalms and kind of gives its one last culmination or apex of the entire Psalms. And that's what we were doing on the mountain. We were looking back over everything we had come up, up the ups and the downs, the hard places, the easy places, the beauty and that's the way the Psalms have been, right? There's been Psalms that's been real pretty and beautiful. There's Thanksgiving Psalms. There's Ascent Psalms. There's Psalms that talk about how great God is. But then there's been those hard Psalms that have been like that kind of choky, up the hill, hard, hot, where there are the laments of where are you, O God? Or there's confessionals where we've fallen into sin. And so there's, there's all those ups and downs in the Psalter, but it's all been going into one place, to this, to this culmination of the Psalms, this apex of the Psalms, this crescendo of all the Psalms the psalm we're going to look at today. And it's as if this author, and we don't know who it is. It's anonymous. Maybe it's David, maybe it's Solomon, but we have no clue. But it's as if he's sitting at the top of the mountain, looking down over everything he's just come through. All these psalms, the laments, the confessions, the thanksgivings, the royals, the imprecatory prayers, all these things. And he's going to give one final, just kind of, this is what I want you to know. This is the summary. This is the apex. This is the high point of the psalms. Know this. Before you close the Psalms out, before you move on, one last thing he wants you to do, and he's going to tell you what to do, he's going to tell you why to do it. And I thought, what a fitting way to close these 13, 14 weeks where we've been talking about blessing the Lord and becoming worshipers, to close it out the way he does. So let's see his kind of celebration, his culmination, his final thoughts on worship as he closes out the Psalms. Let's see what this writer says to us, what we're to do. Oh, here's another picture, by the way. This is the cross from down below. So we actually did walk a far way. You had to go all the way around here and see it's real small over right there. Okay. Uh, so that was a beautiful place, Northern California. Never would have thought it, but very pretty. So let me read our psalm in its entirety. Verse 1, Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, you don't have to be a mind reader or a Bible scholar to know what he wants you to do, right? And when you say something 13 times in six verses, make it himself pretty clear, isn't it? What's the word you see over and over and over? What is it? Praise, right? Praise, the first word of the psalm. It's literally one word. It's the Hebrew word hallelujah, right? It's a Hebrew word. Hallel means to praise, Yah, Yahweh. Praise, Yahweh, it's a command. Praise the Lord. And then he goes on 13 times. Praise, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. In fact, in the Hebrew text, it's even more emphatic. The, mo- the most amount of words in between hallelujahs or hallels is four in the Hebrew text. And it only happens one time. Every other occurrence, it's praise and then two words. Praise, dot, dot, praise, dot, dot, praise, dot, dot, praise. All the way through the psalm. What is he saying as he's sitting at the top of the mountain? He's looking at the, all he's come through, all the psalms, all the ups and the downs. What is his big summary? I want you to praise The Lord. I want you to extol him. I want you to speak of him. I want you to to exalt him. I want you to celebrate him. That's the pinnacle. I want you to cheer him. And in case you had any questions about the what, how, where, all that, he's gonna answer. He, He starts off with the where. Where should I praise him? Good question. He tells you, Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. Two places. His sanctuary, where is that? Remember? The temple. where he's choosing to dwell in the Old Testament, where the Ark of the Covenant is, and all those items in the temple where the the high priest would go in and offer sacrifices. says, praise him there, but also praise him in the mighty heavens or in the great expanse or in the sky or just basically up there. Praise him up there. And the idea here is praise him from down there. Praise him up there. Where should we praise him? Everywhere. It sounds like a Dr. Seuss book, doesn't it? All right? (laughs) But that's what the psalmist is saying. From high to low, everywhere you go. There's some more Dr. Seuss for you. Look at that. I'm on a roll, man. I'm rhyming here, okay? But that's the idea. Everywhere you go, right? Everywhere you go. Now, here's the problem with that. We go to two extremes. Either one we're super cheesy and everything with praise the Lord, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Don't do that. That's not what he's talking. He's not talking about use praise the Lord in every sentence. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. That's not what he's talking about. What he is saying is everywhere you go, you're a worshiper. And as a New Testament saint, as one who understands the entirety of scripture, where is the sanctuary now? It's not this concrete block that you're in right now. You are the sanctuary. So wherever you go, you're a worshiper. You're praising. And then maybe that's with your mouth, but more likely it's gonna be with your life. Right? And I think that the struggle we have as Christians is, at least for me, is we are really good at praising the Lord here, right? Most of us are real good for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday, and we're not so great there, right? And it could be multiple reasons why. Let me give you my number one why I'm not, and this is just where I'm at, and then maybe you are, maybe you're not. I think my biggest issue, or I have lots of issues, but the reason I'm not as good of a praiser or a worshiper It's because I am a a great complainer. Ask my kids. Don't ask my wife, because she'll tell you how great of a complainer I am. I am a great critic. I can spot, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Oh, the government should do this. The president should do this. The city of Savannah should do this. It's too hot in Savannah. It's too this. It's too this. It's too this. It's too this. this. I'm a great complainer. And when I am a complainer, guess what I'm not? A worshiper. Right? Right? Because you can't, what does James say? This, out of the same mouth comes both blessing and cursing. My beloved brothers, it ought not to be that way. And so maybe, maybe you're not a complainer and this doesn't hit you, but if you are, you're a critic like me. When you're a critic, you're not a praiser. You're just not. Before you're, oh, it's too this. Turn off the news if you can't handle it. Turn off the ready if you can't handle it. But think about what you say before you say it. Are you a worshiper? Are you a praiser? Everywhere you go, when you're doing the laundry, when you're at school, when you're on the court, everywhere you go, a praiser. You say, well, how, how can I do that if I'm on that hard place in the hill where, where it's smoky and it's hot and it's, it's thick? I mean, it's easy to do it when everything's good. I'm looking out over the gorgeous valley and it's easy to praise God there. What about when it's hard? He tells you. He, he gives you the why next. Why should you praise him? Verse two, praise him for his mighty deeds Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Two things. Number one, his mighty deeds. His deeds of of power or his acts of power is the way you could translate it. What acts of power has God done? We we could sit here and talk for what? Hours? Let's just start with creation. How about that one? That's kind of a biggie, right? Think about creation. When we were out in Northern California, we had the opportunity one night to sleep out under the stars. And I had never been to a place that had zero light Pollution. I mean, and I had never seen the sky like I saw the sky that night. We laid out under the stars, and my son was counting satellites as they went by. You could see it's so deep into the space, you could see satellites. You could see the, the outer bands of, like, the Milky Way. You could just kind of see the cloud. It was unbelievable, and I thought about this text. Because that ball of gas that's burning a trillion miles from where we're at, Last night, God was sustaining it with his right hand, and all the other billions of them at the same time. And at the same time, your body, which has millions of atoms or trillions of atoms, at the molecular level, he is doing things that scientists still cannot comprehend. At the molecular level, and I'm not a physicist and I'm not a chemist, but I know this, that there's these things called protons inside your body, and protons have a positive charge, thus the pro, right? And these protons should... They don't touch each other because it's like two ends of the same ends of a battery, right? You know, when you put the, the positive ends of a battery, they kind of, they push off each other. And when protons do that, usually bad things happen called explosions, right? That's what's, that's, that's, but that's going on at the atomic level in your body. And, and scientists don't know what's keeping them from going out like this and splitting. They can't figure it out. But Colossians 1 has a good handle on it because he upholds things by his right hand. He's holding that ball of gas that's a trillion miles away. He's keeping your atoms in place. He's doing it all as he sits on the throne. That is a mighty deed. And so if you're looking for a reason to praise, think about the mighty deeds, the mighty acts. And that's just in general creation. How about all the miracles in scripture? The parting of the Red Sea, the feeding of the Israelites, the the dead raising, the, the lepers being cleansed, the blind being healed. You could go to all those, the 5,000 being fed with two loaves and five fish, or five loaves and two fish, and down the line. Or you could get even more specific, and you could go to your life, the mighty acts of God in your life. You say, well, I haven't seen any mighty acts of God. Well, you ate this week. You were provided for. Some of you miraculously found a spouse. That's a miracle for some of you, men. You finished school. Some of you had surgery. You came through. Yeah, well, the doctor. No, 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 the doctor did nothing. That was a God thing. God did it through the doctor, but he's the great physician. You, had, you took this medicine, yes, because the doctor was given wisdom so that you, he's the one who has done all these great things. You may think, oh, it's just a little thing. No, it is him. He's providing you. He has clothed you. He has fed you. He has given the breath in your lungs. It is him. It is a mighty act. Even the simplest provision. And then you could go to the greatest of all great acts where sin was crushed, the head of the serpent was crushed, death was defeated, eternal life was secure because God leaves heaven, becomes a man, dies as a substitute for your sin, and then is declared the son of God in power through the resurrection. The greatest act of all. The greatest mighty act. And what the psalmist says is wherever you're at, wherever you are on the hill working your way up, you can praise, why? Because of the mighty acts of God and because of what he has done for you, right? And so here's, here's, an, here's an exercise. Here's a homework for you. All the kids are going back to school this week, so parents, you get homework too. Take a piece of paper out, all right? And just write two columns and write physical, the top, and then spiritual. And then just list, just start listing the things, the, the good things, because every good and perfect gift is from God. Just start listing the good things that God has done. I ate today, Boop. That's a good one. Have a car. Have a job. Have parents. Have a church. Just list them down. List the spiritual things. I'm a Christian. I have spiritual gifts. Yeah. And just look at the list. right? Because it's real hard to be a complainer when you start seeing the great things that God has done. It just really is. And so I'm doing this this week. I'm doing it yesterday. I'm just thinking about it. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is, just seeing the things. And all of a sudden I take a swig of my coffee and I get all these coffee grinds in my mouth. And I'm like, oh, I'm about to complain. And I'm like, aha, uh-huh. I can't complain because I'm thinking about the good things God has done. And so I spit out the coffee grinds. I got you, Satan. You're not gonna get missed on. time. you gonna preach tomorrow. All right. But that's the idea. When you're, when you're thinking about those things, and that's why he points you there. What has God done? And not just what has he done, not just his mighty deeds, but then praise him according to his excellent greatness, who he is, I mean, who can be called excellently great? I mean, who can be called excellently great? Nobody but God. Or his abundant greatness or his surpassing greatness. Or one translation, I love it. It says his unequaled greatness. The summary of all he is. Who is God? He is almighty. When he speaks, mountains crumble. Those who were here last night for the flood at church, I mean, it was impressive. It was an impressive storm. We were scared. Not only that people wouldn't show up, but that we were, we were gonna drown over here. I mean, it was bad. And that's just one small facet of just the lightning and the thunder. That's just one, that's nothing for the almighty power of God. Think about the, the omnipresence of God. The psalmist in 139 says, if I go to the heavens, you're there. If I go to the place of the dead, you're, uh, you're everywhere. That ball of gas that's burning a, a quadrillion miles away, God's there. We'll never see the light of it, he's there. The galaxies we can't even see with the Hubble, He's there, yet he, he knows your inner thoughts. Everything, there is nothing that he does not know. The, the, try to come up with the most random thing. This week, I, I don't know why I come up with these random thoughts. But so I, was, I just Googled, how many cells in a human body? Why I would do that, I have no clue. But I just Googled it. And I found that scientists have narrowed it down between 30 trillion and 80 trillion cells. I'm thinking, way to go, guys. That's a great estimate there, right? <laughs> you know, 50 trillion, give or take. But I'm thinking, you know what? You guys can't figure out how many cells are in a human body. God knows right now how many cells are in each single one of your body. Oh, there goes a couple trillion. And he still knows because he knows everything. There is nothing he doesn't know. That is the excellent greatness of God. That is to say nothing of his grace and of his mercy and of his compassion and of his faithfulness and of his holiness and of his wisdom and of his kindness. So he says, you want a reason to praise. Think about what he's done. Think about who he is. And think, and think about this too. And this, just thinking about this this week caused me to, to, to double take a little bit. Think about the response of the angels to God. Think about the angels. Angels who, if angels show up, it's like, whoa, we're gonna die. Right? If an angel shows up with all his angelness, Everybody always thinks they're gonna die because they're impressive. They are stunning. They are scary. And when they show up, people fall on their faces. Think about what the angels have seen and know. The angels see God, they stand in his presence. They've seen his glory. They've seen everything he's done. They saw creation, they saw the cross, they saw the resurrection, they've seen all the miracles. And they have never once disobeyed. The angels haven't been like, oh, I don't think I'm gonna obey that command. As soon as God speaks, they do it. I mean, they boom, they cannot fathom disobeying. What is the response of the angels to God when they see him? Read Isaiah 6. They hide their eyes and they shout so loud that the, the foundations of heaven shake. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They bow down. This is the God they've seen. And they're still, they're stunned by him. And understand this, the angels have never, ever experienced being the object of God's love. you realize not once in the scripture does it say God loves the angels? For God so loved the angels. Now, maybe he does, but it doesn't say that. They have no clue what it means to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, to be the object of his love. And they are stunned by God. What does that say about us who are, as the scripture says, a little lower than the angels? The psalmist is telling us, be enamored. Be enamored with God. How do they sing? They sing and shout so loud that the the heavens tremble. How do we sing sometimes? Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. I mean, right? That's the 815 service, y'all. You're 945. (laughs) What's the point? Those who have experienced and been lavished with the love of God ought to be enamored with him. And so if you're on that down place on the hill, the up place, it doesn't matter. This is why he says, wherever you're at on the hill, smoke in the lungs, on the beautiful part, praise him. Everywhere. Why? Because of what he's done and because of who he is. Here's homework assignment number two. I want you to write one sentence. One sentence is it. Everyone can write one sentence. Start it with this. God is, and then fill in the blank. God is what? God is love. God is my shepherd. God is my provider. God is good. God is holy. You can go for a long time if you do this, by the way. But see, the reason we would do something like that is because when you are worried about money, But then you remember God is provider. When you are worried about direction, what school should I go to? Should I take this job? The Lord is my shepherd. When you do feel like no one cares and that I'm ugly and no one would ever like me, you remember that God is love. When you fail in that sin again, that God is forgiver, that God is justifier. See, when you remember who God is and what he's done, which is what the whole Bible is basically about, who God is and what he's done. It takes your eyes off where you are on the hill and it puts your eyes at the top of the hill at the cross where we're all headed. And that's his point when he looks back. What do I want you to do? Praise the Lord. Where? Everywhere. Why? Because what has God done and what he is doing? And here's my favorite part. What does it look like then? How should it be done? And he tells us. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Uh Uh-oh. Some of y'all are in trouble. Praise them with strings and pipe. Praise them with sounding cymbals. Praise them with loud, clashing cymbals. All these different instruments, right? All these different things. And, and, and the, what's very interesting about this is you know what's missing? Not the electric guitar, that's covered in strings. Voices. You notice that? It doesn't say anything about voices there. That's because in 149, he covered that, sing a new song. But but there's two ways that, that we're highlighting here of which praise should be. Two words. First one is this. It should be fervent. It should be fervent. And the idea of all these instruments is not, this is what a proper praise team looks like. Should have a trumpet, lute, harp. That's not the point. The point is this. Whatever you have, do it and do it well. So if you're going to blow the trumpet, blow it loud. And if you're going to use the lute and the harp, then use your strings well and do it fervently. And if you're going to do the pipe and that's not, you know, the tobacco shop, you grandee tobacco, that's the woodwinds. Then then play it well. If you're going to have the tambourine, you're going to bang it on your hip, you're going to bang it on your hand. If you're going to have the cymbals, and we're not talking about the finger cymbals, All right, he makes clear that he's not talking about that. The loud, clashing cymbals, whatever you're going to do, use your hands, use your fingers, use your breath, use your lungs, use your hip, even dancing. Hallelujah for some of you. Now, we're not talking about doing the Macarena for Jesus down the aisle. That's not what we're talking about. But what we are talking about is an expression of joy that's kind of roots up and maybe it starts in your foot and it works its way up and your hands go up and you don't know what happened. Right? And I know some of y'all are scared of that. I mean, you, you have to lock it in because you feel it starting, right? And you, I mean, you're like, I can't handle it. I can't do that, right? I'm going to sit in the back, right? Some of you, I mean, you just, need to, you just need to do it one time. You need to close your eyes so no one sees you and you don't see yourself. And just do this. <laughs> You'd be amazed how freeing that is, all right? And then we'll welcome you up front into the fold and you'll be great, right? <laughs> But it's just the idea of when there is joy, it moves through your body. it just expressed, and it should be fervent. When you leave here, you ought to feel like you sang. If you're a little horse, that's good, all right? If you, if you, you felt like, man, I it's just like th- those who played sports, we would say, don't leave anything on the table. The idea is, give it all you got. You going to play the drums? Fred, you better hit them. Where are you at? You better hit them. Right? You're going to sing. You better sing. If you're going to do it, don't, my God is greater. You don't hear the angels. Well, you know, I, I, don't, do, I don't do that. I don't, I'm, a, I'm a reserved angel. <laughs> you're reserved until the lady is not going at the light. Right? You're reserved until your kid's soccer referee makes a bad call. You're reserved until there's five seconds left in the game and your team kicks the winning field goal. So when you are worshiping the great, mighty I am, leave it, don't leave anything on the table. That's the idea. It should be fervent. But what it also should be, here's your other word, is festive. All these instruments, okay. The only other time they're all seen together in the scripture, you know what it is? It's when David is dancing before the Lord when they bring the ark finally to Jerusalem. You see dancing, you see cymbals, you see horns, you see tambourines. And what they say there is he's telling them all, I want you to play and I want you to play loudly because I want to raise the sounds of joy. It is a joyous occasion when the people of God gather. And we come in this room once a week, nine out of 10 times, there is a time when there's a solemnness and, I, and, and there's a time where there's a more reflective nature of our gathering. I get that. But most of the time when we gather, we gather to raise the sounds of joy. And if you sit in the front, it's going to be loud. I'm just telling you. It's just the way it is because we want to raise the sounds of joy because we are here to celebrate what? Not a funeral. Our, we're here to celebrate... A risen savior. Why are we here on a Sunday morning? Have you thought about that? The early church is completely Jewish. They are used to worshiping on what day? Saturday. So why all of a sudden do these good law-abiding Jews stop worshiping Saturday and they start worshiping on Sunday morning? Why would they ever in a million years do that? Is it more convenient? Is it less crowded on the highways? Why would they do that? There is only one reason, because of the resurrection. They gather to celebrate their hope in the resurrection. And when they do, they express it in joy. And so when we praise, when we gather here, we want to be fervent and we want to be festive. There is a time for quiet, but this is the time to not be. Now, in your office tomorrow during your lunch hour, don't go busting out the trumpet. That is not a fitting time. Don't drive through the Chick-fil-A and start busting out, and can it be as loud as you can, and can? oh, sorry, I want a milkshake. That's not the fitting time. This is the fitting time, okay? And so when you do it, it's festive and it's fervent. Why? Because what he has done and who he is. Where, here, and everywhere, right? And then there's one last thing. He closes with the who. Who should do it? Then he tells us, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. There's only one qualification for who needs to be a worshiper. Only one qualification for those who are supposed to praise. You got to have breath. Everyone qualified? You good? All right. That's right. Everyone who has breath praise the Lord. And he closes with one more time, in case you missed it, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, and here's what's cool about that. With everything that's has breath, He's not just trying to be poetic. He's not just trying to be rhyming. Here's what's great. What is it that distinguishes in the creation man from every other thing God creates? Go back and look at Genesis two when God's created. He creates the whales. Boom, whales. Sharks. Boom, shark week. Right. Sharks. Boom. Dinosaurs. Boom. Platypus. Boom. Elephant. Boom. Seagull. Boom. He creates all those just like that. He speaks them out. What does He do with man? He gets dust, and he, and he forms man out of the dust of the ground, and then what does he do? He breathes his breath into their lungs. It is the same Hebrew word used in Psalm 150. It is in Genesis 2 that God breathes the breath of life into man, and what the psalmist is picking up on is, God, breathe the air in your lungs is God's. And now you are to exhale that air. And when you do, it is to be praise. He breathes in so that you have life. You breathe out to worship. Everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. You were created to be a worshiper. Period. Where? Everywhere. Why? Because of God's greatness and what he's done. How? Fervently and festively. Every one of us. And here's where it starts. Here's what I want you to get. Here's what I need to get. All right, and here's homework assignment number three. This is the gathering of the first of the week, and it's important and it's exciting, but this is not where it begins and ends. Where it's going to begin, church, is you tomorrow morning setting your alarm 15 minutes earlier. Just 15 minutes. We're done with the Psalms for this series don't you be done with the Psalms? Let me just encourage you, read a Psalm a day. Wake up 15 minutes early, start at Psalm 1, just read one Psalm a day. Why? What would that do to your day if you start out thinking about what God has done and who he is? If you just tune your heart like Ethan said, tune your heart to him every morning as a worshiper, just thanking him for what he's done. Praying, Lord, you know all the challenges. You know the traffic jams. You know the numbers that aren't going to match. You know the kid that's going to throw up. You know the guy that's going to do the wrong job. You know all the temptations I'm going to think. And you have every good work that I might walk in it already laid out in your sovereignty, so I'm going to trust in you. And you just start your day as a worshiper instead of, oh, it's too early. Just think about that. What would that make a difference in your life? Because then... After six days of just kind of a quiet, I'm going to worship God in the private of my home, in the private of my room, maybe on my lunch or whatever it is. Then you gather on Sunday morning and as an expression of what's been going on already, you're like, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to pack in like a sardine in that crazy church and walk a mile from my parking spot and I'm going to yell because of what's been going on in my life here. That's what we want. We want to be a people, not who worship for 45 minutes once a week, But there's a constant everything we do. And it doesn't start here. This is just the the you can do it time. This is just the reminder of what's coming time. It starts with you at home, you and your spouse, you and the kids, whatever it is, just you individually as a private worshiper. And that's my encouragement to you. Just this week, read a psalm. Start there. It takes you, the first psalm is six verses. take you like 60 seconds. But to tune your heart to him. Every morning, so that you become a worshiper in the day. Huge. A lot of things are said about our church. Some true, many not. What I want to be said about our church is this. That's a group of people that worship. Someone visits our church, that's a crazy place, and it's hot, and I got to park like six hours away. But that's a joyful group of people. That's what I want to hear. Not the sermons are long, the sermons are this, the ser- That's a joyful group of people, and they love their God. Nothing could be better said about this church than that. That's what we want to say. Starts here. Let's stand. Let's raise the sounds of joy. Don't leave anything on the table, y'all. All right? Don't leave it on the table. Let me pray. Father, be exalted as we worship. You are good. You are great. You are holy. Thank you for this series. Thank you for these psalms. May we just continually come back to them. May they tune our hearts to thee, as the hymn writer said. And wherever we are on the hill, looking back, looking up, looking down, Lord, let us be praising your name for what you have done and for who you are. Thank you for your goodness towards us in Christ. Lord Jesus, be exalted in the way we sing. We want to love you with our whole hearts, with our whole minds, with our whole strength. And then we want to love our neighbor as ourself. Because these are the greatest commandments. It's in your name we pray.